Happy Mother's Day, moms. Well, as we uh, saw these children up here dedicated today, as we've been meditating on the scripture that we're going to be looking at this week, um, been thinking about the word identity. Thinking about the word identity and the, the word identity and the idea of uh, of understanding what we're called to do, who we're called to be. As parents in this room, we look at our kids and we look at our children and we think, man, God, who have you made this little boy, who have you made this little girl to be? What's going to be their role? What's going to be their identity? What's going to be their job? What what are they going to be known for? Right? We've all asked those questions, haven't we? Uh, I was doing some uh, research on, online this week, looking at some uh, strange Guinness book of world records records, and I, I found a couple strange ones, a couple odd ones that I don't think their moms were actually looking down when they held their baby, oh, I just can't wait for this to happen to him. So this one guy's from Istanbul, uh, he is the current milk squinting champion. <clears throat> milk squinting, squ- not squirting, squinting. Uh, as in, he can blow milk nine feet out of his eyes. Okay, that's, hey, milk squinting. I don't, I don't know. So this man is now the world record holder. Nine feet he got, nine feet. So I'm sure mom was like, oh, wait till they see you squint that milk, right? Oh, you had another man uh, who's from Austria, uh, and he is actually the world record holder for the most household appliances thrown in one minute. Um, he's, uh, he threw 26 household appliances in a minute. We're talking stoves and dishwashers. Don't know how you apply for that, but I'm sure that as the mom was holding, you know, young Hulk in her arms thinking, oh, I can't wait to see you launch my stove in a fit of rage. <laughs> you know, but, but our identity, what, what, are you, what are you going to be known for? What, what are our children going to be known for? And, you know, I don't want to alienate anybody who's not a parent in here. I'm sure that you have had the same thought. God, why am I here? Why am I here? Why, why did you make me? What is my identity? What is my purpose? And these are great questions. And they're questions that each and every one of us have asked. And this morning we're going to look in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And we're going to find where Jesus actually identifies himself. And he reveals his own identity as the Son of God. And as we see him do this, we want to follow in his footsteps, and we want to find out who we are. We want to find out what our identity is and how we can go about on the Father's mission as Jesus did. So why don't we pray, and then we'll get into the Word together. Father, we thank you for this this morning. We thank you, God, uh, for the moms that are in this room who help shape and form the identities that you've given to us. Father, I pray that as we uh, open up your scriptures, I pray that we can see uh, Jesus for who he really is. Pray that we could see Jesus for what, uh, for what he came to do. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open up our hearts, open up our eyes, and open up our minds to hear what you have to say to us this morning about who we are and how we respond to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 41. And we're going to look at the only story that we have in all of Scripture that stands in between Jesus' birth and Jesus' public ministry. Jesus was 30 when he went into public ministry. And so that 30-year gap that we have, we only have one story. And that's this one where Jesus was a teenager. He was a teenager. That's right, a zit-faced, scrawny, 
awkward, tunic doesn't fit anymore because he's getting too tall and mom can't quite catch up with the clothes. That kid was Jesus. It's strange to think about him like that, isn't it? I mean, we like to think about Jesus as as little baby Jesus and going and laying our treasures at his feet. Or maybe we like to think about Jesus walking on the water or multiplying the food for the 5,000. We especially love to think of the, the crucified and risen Jesus who saved us and redeemed us, right? We love to think about that Jesus. But there's not really much mystery and wonder in the B.O. acne-filled Jesus as a teenager. There's not. But this is one window that God gives us to see the actual humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we can't just rip open our Bibles and just start reading and, uh, and think that we're going to get it right away, but we've got to get a little context. Uh, Pastor Ryan has been in the To Boldly Go series, and we've been looking over the life and words of Jesus. Uh, and, and so we've gotten a little bit of context here and there, but I want to give you something specific from the book of Luke that's going to help us understand what we're looking at this morning. Luke goes uh, uh, to, to uh, painful stakes to, to help us to see, he goes to great pains to help us to see the identity of Jesus Christ. He says to Theophilus in the first uh, couple of verses, he says, I'm writing this book to you that you may know that the things you've heard about Jesus are true. And, and in this passage that we're going to see today, what Luke is trying to help us to see that's true is that Jesus is the Son of Man and Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he's trying to, to reveal to us today. And Jesus, it's, it's his own words, the first recorded words of Christ that we're going to see that he identifies himself. So let's look into the text and see what it says. Chapter 2, verse 41. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. You can jot this down in your notes. If I'm going to find my identity, I must worship Christ fully and faithfully. I must worship Christ fully and faithfully. Look at what we see here. We're we're given an insight into Jesus' upbringing. They're bringing Jesus to the most important festival of the Jewish calendar. The law called for all the men, all the Jewish men, to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. No matter where you were, no no matter how far away you were, you had to go to Jerusalem for that one week of Passover to celebrate the most important moment in the in the nation's history. And just to give you a little bit about that, why it's so important, it's celebrating that moment 1,500 years prior to Jesus being born. It's celebrating when God brought the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into freedom into the promised land. It celebrates that one night. And what happened on that night was that uh, uh, Pharaoh had rebelled against uh, God and his word and against his servant Moses uh, again and again and again. And he said, okay, well now the firstborn is going to die uh, in, your, in, in, in every family, unless, unless the, uh, there's a lamb that dies in, in, in his place, in the, in the place of the firstborn. And so what God instructed the people of Israel to do was to take the lamb and, and, and uh, uh, sacrifice that lamb and put blood on the doorposts to show that it was the lamb who died instead of the firstborn. That's a very important moment because it was that moment that Pharaoh uh, said, okay, that's it, I've had enough. I've had enough. And he sent all of Israel out of Egypt. And so they celebrated. And so God thought that it was very important, so he commanded his people to celebrate this festival for one week out of the year. And so we see that, that Joseph and Mary are being faithful and full followers to what the Lord called them to do. They're being faithful and full worshipers of God. And they're raising their family 
Jesus and his brothers in a way where they are also going to become faithful and full worshipers of the Lord. That's what Luke is trying to point out to us. The faithfulness of Jesus' parents. And so parents in the room right now, I want to ask you, how are you doing at building a faithful home that is full of the worship of the Lord? How are you doing? You know, when, 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 I, when I was uh, a dad, first dad, I got four kids, and I have this generation's best mom, my wife, Shannon, over there. Shannon, right there. This generation's, because, you know, the last generation's best mom was my mom. We know that. Um, but um, I got four kids. And when we first started with Owen, it was real awkward. You know, I, I, we were like, how do we, how do we lead Owen to be a, a full and faithful follower of Jesus? How do, we, how do we lead Owen to be a full and faithful worshiper of Jesus? Well, it started by just holding him in our arms and, and praying for him. And sometimes we'd do it one night a week. And sometimes we'd do it two nights a week. And we'd stumble along in our first little bit. Uh, but, but as time went on, and, and we committed in our hearts that we were going to be a home that fully and faithfully worshiped the Lord, it became a habit that every single night before bedtime, we open up the Word of God and we, and we uh, look at the Scriptures together. One of the books we gave away today is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. We've gone through three of those in our family. And we've torn it up. We've gone through it at least ten times. Pages are falling out everywhere. Why? Because we believe it's important that our kids are raised in a home to faithfully and fully worship the Lord. So are, are you leading your kids in doing this? You know, um, it, it's, it's okay to stumble out of the gate. It's okay to have a ten-year-old and still not know what we're doing. But I want to encourage you, Mom. I want to encourage you, especially Dad. Today's the day to start. Today's the day to start. If you haven't started leading your family and worshiping the Lord yet, today's the day to start. And it might start out once a week, might start out twice a week, but today's the day to commit it and say, we're going to be a family that follows the Lord. Now, <clears throat> they went up for Passover, and Joseph and Mary were, were leading him up there. And look at verse 42. He was 12 years old. Jesus was 12 years old, and they went up according to the custom. So Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, and I just want to mention this in passing, that Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, was witnessing the shadow of what was going to become of him. As these perfect lambs were sacrificed, Jesus was brought with this reality that he was seeing what was going to end up happening with him, that he was going to be sacrificed, and he was going to be put on the cross for you and for me to pay for our sins that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we put our faith in him and seek the forgiveness of our sins, we are fully and faithfully forgiven because it was the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who died, and not us. And not us. And that's what leads us to full and faithful worship of Jesus. We look at this Passover lamb and we say, thank you for sacrificing yourself for me. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son for me so that now I go and I worship the Lord week in and week out. So you see, the first part about, about understanding your identity is to realize that you're identified as a sinner. And that Jesus is identified as the Lamb of God. And that you and I are now worshipers if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's beyond words important that we come here together 52 weeks a year and worship Jesus together. 52 Sundays a year. It's not a part-time thing. We are to be faithful and full worshipers of Jesus Christ. And that means that even when it's tough, 
We get ourselves out and we go and we worship. You know, there, there's lots of things, there's lots of distractions in our life, there's lots of reasons why we could, we could say to each other, eh, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out today. And so I just came up with three of them, three of them that are, are kind of common reasons why we, we don't go to church, uh, and I want to give you a, a, little bit of, uh, 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 a little bit of help in fighting these things. So the first thing is this, three things to keep us from church. Number one, I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired to go to church. Well, this one, I had to think long and hard about it, but here's how I'd fight it. Ready? Go to bed. Go to bed. All right? Go to bed. Treat Saturday night as if it's a school night. Treat Saturday night as if you're going to go to work the next day. Treat Saturday night as if the next day is the most important day in your week. Because it is. Right? How long would you be able to get by if you said to your boss, you know, boss, we had a few soccer games this weekend. And, uh, you know, I had a couple family parties just super tired. I'm just super tired. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit this one out. Well, watch the mail because here comes your final check and your pink slip, right? Yeah, boss isn't going to put up with that. Well, you know, parents, what about, what about when your kids say, Ma, I was up till four in the morning playing Call of Duty. I beat it. And it's a Tuesday. I'm too tired to go to school. Nope, you're going to school. You're getting on that bus. It's a school night, right? How many times do you hear that as a kid? It's a school night. Get to bed. It wouldn't pass in the classroom. And kids, you're athletes. I know most of, a lot of you guys play sports in here. What have you said to your coach? Coach, you know, I know it's game day and all, and this is kind of what we practice for, but I, I'm too tired. I'm going I'm to sit this one out. And then you're going to do laps, right? Like a hundred of them. Doesn't pass on the field. Doesn't pass at work. Doesn't pass at school. Doesn't pass in sports. Nowhere does it work. So why does it pass here? Why do we get to say, you know what? I'm too tired. I'm not going to come to church today. And, and I, this is not something where I'm trying to guilt you into this. What I'm trying to tell you is that this is the most important thing in your life, to be a faithful and full worshiper of the Lord, modeled to us by Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So I'm too tired to go to church. It doesn't work. How about this? I'm too bad. I'm too bad. I had a bad week, and I just can't face the Lord today. Hey, welcome to the club, Right? Welcome to the club. Frankly, it's when you're at your most broken and when you realize your sin is right there staring at you in the face, accusing you and pointing at you and saying you are not good enough to go into the presence of the Lord. It's that moment that we got to pick ourselves up and force ourselves to get on our knees, confess our sins before God, Ask Him for His forgiveness. And we are covered in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, He has forgiven you of all your sins. His mercies are new every morning, including Sunday morning. Don't let the guilt of sin keep you away. That's why we're all here. We're all here as blood-bought sinners. So don't let it keep you away. So I'm too bad, I'm too tired. Well, how about this one? I'm too busy. And the number one one that just kind of stabs me in the heart is this one. My kids or I, we got a basketball game or a baseball game or a soccer game or whatever game. We got something else to do on Sunday morning. So I can't go to church. Don't fall for that trap. Don't fall for that trap. Don't let the idol of your schedule 
Don't let the idol of your sports, don't let the idol of your agenda get in the way of worshiping the one true God. And moms and dads, what are you showing your kids when you let them miss church a few times a year because they got a game? What, what are we showing them? It takes a bold dad, a bold mom, to look at that schedule and say, there's a Sunday game and you're not going to miss church. Sorry. And you're leading your kid in what it means to fully and faithfully worship the Lord. I know that's, that's a tough one because our culture elevates sports. Our culture elevates these extracurricular activities, which are great to do. And I was involved in sports in, in, uh, all throughout my childhood. But it doesn't beat worshiping Jesus together. Jesus bought us. Our coaches didn't buy us. All right, so there it is. We discover our identity in worshiping the Lord fully and faithfully. Let's get back to the text. Let's see what it says. Luke chapter 2, verse 43. And when the feast was ended, which means that they were faithful parents, they stayed for the whole seven days, they didn't miss any days. As they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Uh oh, we lost Jesus. There, there's two things in here that might kind of set something off in your mind like, hold on, wait a second, did that really happen? Two things. Number one is this Are Mary and Joseph really that inept that they misplaced the Son of God? Yes. And so are you. I heard somebody else say that. And so are you, right? So are we. We're inept enough to do this. Kind of helps build a little familiarity with the mother of God, doesn't it? That she's imperfect just like us and screws up just like us, screwed up just like us. So yes, they were inept enough. And number two, maybe the more important, wait, did that really happen? Question is this, did Jesus disobey his mom and dad in sin? Because look at what it says. It says the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. That means Jesus made a conscious decision to stay behind in Jerusalem. Jesus made a conscious decision to watch mom and dad leave, watch everybody from his town leave, and he stayed. Okay? So did Jesus sin and disobey mom and dad? Well, the short answer to that is no. It's no. We're going to find out why in a moment. But Jesus did not sinfully disobey because he couldn't sin. He was God. He was the perfect lamb of God, without blemish, without spot. And if he did sin, you and I wouldn't be sitting here this morning because Jesus would still be in the grave. He'd just been another guy. But Jesus was the perfect, sinless son of God. So when you come to this and ask yourself, did Jesus sin here? No. No, because if he did, he never would have risen from the grave. He would have been just a normal person. But again, Luke is showing us the identity of Jesus Christ. And that is that he was the perfect son of God. So what happened? How did Mary and Joseph lose the son of God? How did they lose Jesus? Well, what happened was the, the uh, uh, women would, would go on the journey first 
Everybody in the town of Galilee, had, or, uh, of Galilee heading back uh, to Galilee from Jerusalem, all the women would head first because they had the kids and they'd take a little bit longer. But Jesus uh, and, and, and the men would have traveled after them, sticking around in Jerusalem a little bit. Um, and Jesus being 12, this would have been his first time actually in, uh, in Jerusalem for the Passover because he was becoming a man. And so Mary was thinking, oh, he's with Joseph. And Joseph was thinking, oh, he was with Mary. Whoops. They get to a camp. So they, the women would stop at their camp because it was a three-day journey. They'd stop at a predetermined spot. And then here come the men. And then, hey, Mary, where's Jesus? Joseph, he was with you. Mary, he was with you. Guys, men, husbands, dads, little advice when this happens. It was my fault, okay? Your fault. I'll go get him. Just a little tip. So they're playing this game. I thought you had him. I thought you had him. Nope, nope, nope. So they spend the night. They head back to Jerusalem. And then check this out. Verse 46 and 47. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. It took them three days to find Jesus. Three days. I mean, if they would have had texting back then, it would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? Three seconds, you would have found him. Hey, Jesus, where are you at? Temple. Cool. Stay there. You're in big trouble. Love you. Right? A little easier. A little easier. It would have taken some pressure off mom and dad. But no, Jesus, uh, Jesus decided to stay back at the temple because he was listening and discussing with the top teachers of Israel in the day. These were the guys who spent their entire lives learning the things of God and discussing the things of God. And they would ask the students questions and the, questions would, and the students would answer. And then the students would ask the teachers questions and the teachers would answer. And there was a back and forth. It's how they taught. And listen to verse 47 again. They were amazed at his understanding and his answers. They were amazed. Luke's pushing this again. He says, wasn't a normal kid. This wasn't a normal teenager. This wasn't a normal guy. They were amazed. And it says they were amazed at his understanding. What understanding means is that you're able to, in your mind, put things together and see how they work. So Jesus, learning the prophecies about himself from a young age, hearing the word of God, hearing what the Old Testament said, hearing what the law said, hearing what the prophets said, pieced all these things together, and they were amazed. Who is this kid? Who, who's your dad? A carpenter? What? And they were blown away. So Jesus isn't just a boy. Jesus was something special. And here it is. Here's where Jesus reveals his identity. Listen close. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus answered, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Now, can we all at least agree for a moment that the word son or daughter or first name, middle name, last name, followed by your father and I, never 
bodes well for you. Am I right? Right? It, it never bodes well. I mean, for, for me as a kid, it was, Brandon, your father and I just came back from the parent-teacher conferences. And, or it was, Brandon, your father and I just saw your homework. And, or, son, we waited up for you. We need to talk. Not a bright moment, right? Not a bright moment. So Mary's used to talking to Jesus' brothers in the same way. What are you doing, you bonehead? Was never used to talking to Jesus this way because Jesus never sinned. And so she comes in, worried as I'll get out, angry as I'll get out, and rightfully so, I might add, if Jesus actually did disobey. But then Jesus makes it clear. Did you hear what he said? Did you see it? Did you catch it? Jesus said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Boom. There it is. The first words of Jesus recorded in the Bible. He tells us all who he is and what he's doing. He just dropped that bomb on his mom. He said, I am not yours. I am God's. I'm not yours. I'm God's. So you can jot this down in your notes. If I'm going to find my true identity, I must discover my role and fully commit to working for Christ. I must discover my role and fully commit to working for Christ. You see, Jesus revealed at that moment that he was the Son of God. Jesus revealed in that moment that he was taking up what his Father called him to do, namely, to preach the gospel, to reveal who the Father was and to eventually die on the cross for our sins. Jesus had a role, and Jesus fully committed to working that role for the glory of the Father. Now, believe it or not, each and every one of us have a role to play as children of God. We say this around harvest. There, is, there are no bleachers at harvest. Everyone's got a foot on the field. Everyone's got a hand to the plow. Nobody's watching. Everybody's in it. Everybody's in the game. Do you know it takes over 100 people to make things work on a Sunday morning at Harvest? Did you guys know that? Over 100 people? Check this out from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, Jesus' true identity was the Son of God, and his role was to reveal the Father to us and to humbly submit to the Father's will. You and I are children of God. You and I have been bought by the Lord and we are his adopted children. And he has made each and every one of us his workmanship to do what he has called us to do. He has given to you good works for you to do. And I want to challenge you this morning, walk in them. Do what God has called you to do. Around here we call that working for Christ. We call it working for Christ. If you, want, if you go up to any person in any ministry team, be it parking or greeting or hospitality or kids ministry or youth ministry or worship ministry, or, or you just keep on going down the line, you, you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, we need more people. We need more people. God has richly blessed us with a great opportunity to make disciples here at Harvest Palace. Amen? And God wants to use you to make that happen. And so if this is your church home and you haven't found a place to work for Christ yet, okay, here's what you have to do. 
go through those doors at the end of the service, go through those doors, go into the gym. There's a big table. It says, work for Christ. It's got a big gear on it. Go to that table. Find out how you can get plugged in. Because if we're going to discover what our identity is, we've got to know our role in this church. We've got to know our role in what God has called us to do. We've got to commit fully to working for him. Now, if you don't have time to do that, if you've got to go to Mother's Day brunch, I understand, but you go on the website, click on the Get Connected tab, and then click on the Serving Opportunities. There's a wealth of opportunities for you to get involved. And if you're saying, but Brandon, I don't know my spiritual gift. I don't know what I'm gifted to do. I don't know what I'm called to do. Look, Take a step of faith and just jump in. Just jump in. God is going to lead you along and show you who you are and what he's made you to do. But in the meantime, obediently step in and say, God, I'm yours. I'm going to be about your work. And that's one way we can serve, but the other way we can serve is this. The other way that God has called us, not only just here in the church, but also in the world. Listen to this. John 20, verse 21, it says this. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And Jesus takes his mission. I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to be in my father's house doing what he's called me to do. He has sent me here to do this. He says in the same way you've been sent. In the same way you have been sent. You have people around you at your work. You have people around you uh, at your... Um, at your party, your family parties. You have people around you at your school. You have people around you on your teams. You have people around you everywhere, at the grocery store, strangers, neighbors, friends, enemies, people all around you that need to hear the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And God is sending you in to do it. He is equipping you and saying, go, look at what Jesus did and follow after him and go and make his name known. Go and make the gospel known. Each and every one of us have got to be in on this. Now, Mary's response to Jesus, she didn't get it. Look look at this. Look at verse 50. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So as Jesus said, I am the Son of God. I have been sent by God. I am doing God's work. Mary and Joseph are like, wait. Huh? I don't get, wait, what? They were just dumbfounded. Eventually, they would get it. Luke got the story right from Mary. Eventually, they would get it. But they didn't understand the call that God had for Jesus. And moms and dads, I I, want to talk to you for a moment. I want to talk to you for a moment about not standing in the way of the call that God has on your kid's life. Okay? Okay? As Christians, we tend to bow down to the idol of family sometimes, and and, and we think that we ought to be the ones that are controlling things. Mom and dad ought to control the future of our kids. Sometimes we bow down to the idol of our culture that says, do it this way and you're going to be successful. But God doesn't always work like that. And so parents, just put put your hands out like this. Go ahead. If you're you're a mom or a dad, put your hands out like that. This is how God wants you to hold your kids. Not like this. They're mine. But like this. With an open hand saying, Lord, he's yours. Lord, she's yours. Lord, I'm yours. This is how God wants you to hold the life of your kids and your life. I want to tell you two stories 
One of them is about me and my life and about how my mom and my dad uh, did not stand in the way of, God, of what God was doing. See, God has a unique call on each and every one of us in this room. And mom and dad, you're going to have a choice that when your kid says something crazy, that you're going to say, oh, I don't think so. When I was 18 years old, my, I told my parents that God wanted me to move to New Orleans. I told them that God wanted me to move to New Orleans and work in an inner city ministry that worked in the most dangerous projects, public housing projects in New Orleans. And that God wanted me to go and preach the gospel to kids. I was going to work with a, with a ministry that I worked with on a missions trip down there. So that's right, me, a kid, 18-year-old kid from Rochester, New York, the suburbs of Rochester, middle class, good upbringing, not really dangerous at all, saying I want to move to some of the roughest neighborhoods in America down in the projects in New Orleans. And my mom and dad were nervous, and they could have said, no, sorry, bud, why don't you go to community college and figure it out a little bit? But my parents were good examples of this. And I still remember it. My, my mom said to me, Brandon, we love you. You're our son, but you belong to God. We'd love for you to stay in Rochester. But if that's not where God's calling you, then I don't want you here. And they held me like this and they said, go. It's been 15 years since that day. It's been 10 moves. It's been four kids and a beautiful wife. And now God is sending us off to go and plant a church at the Harvest Bible Fellowship. And had my parents held a tight grip and said, Brandon, go the way we want you to go, not the way God wants you to go, I don't know what path my life would have taken. And I'm thankful that my parents were there with an open hand. On the flip side of it, there was a girl that I went to high school with. And she saw what God was doing with me. She was a few years behind me. She saw what God was doing with me. And she said to her mom and dad, Mom and dad, I want to go to uh, that Bible college that Brandon went to. And they said, you know what? That doesn't really fit with the way that, that, that you need to go. It's going to be a waste of money. It's going to be a waste of time. You're not going to be able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so she ended up going to a state school, which isn't a bad thing by any means, okay? Not a bad thing. God, God calls many there. Went up, went, ended up going to a state university. And then she ended up, uh, she stopped going to church. She moved in with a guy. Eventually they got married. But she's not walking with the Lord. And so there was this girl with a passion for Jesus, wanting to serve him, wanting to learn about him, wanting to know him. And her parents said, no. Now, is it their fault that she went that way, that she decided to, uh, to, to forsake the word of God? No, not her parents' fault. She's responsible for it. But what would have been different had her parents been like this? What would have been different? So mom and dad, even though you may not get it, even though you may not understand it, let God write the story for your kids. All right, one last thing that we see in this story, and that's this. If you want to continue understanding your identity, you, uh, uh, you can write this down. Never stop growing in your walk with Christ. Never stop growing in your walk with Christ. This made my head explode this week. Okay, when I read this, meditated on this all week, it made, it, 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 
I almost passed out. Here's what it says. Verse 51 and 52. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Okay. Get this. Jesus, the perfect son of God, a teenager, that before he created the heavens and earth, or before he came, he created the heavens and the earth. And, and he is the one that gave the authority to parents to be over their children. And now Jesus is saying, I'm going to step under this authority, under my imperfect mom. What a model for us for obedience. Teenagers, look up here. I know what you're thinking. Not as imperfect as my mom. She's crazy. But don't tell her that today. It's Mother's Day, okay? Look, it is tough to submit to authority. It is tough to submit to our mom and our dad. But if Jesus, the 12-year-old boy who was growing and developing, could submit to the imperfect leadership of his mom and dad, think of the example that we have in Christ and think of the empathy that we have with Jesus Christ. And think of the fact that you and I can go before the throne of grace no matter what stage you are in life. If it's, if it's the uh, imperfect authority of your mom and dad, if it's the imperfect authority of your boss, if it's the imperfect authority of your coach, if it's the imperfect authority of your pastors. We're not perfect. Whatever the imperfect authority is in your life, Jesus knows what it's like to submit to it. And he did because that was his responsibility. That was his call. That's what he had to do. He had to grow in his walk with the Lord. But not only that, but Jesus increased in wisdom. And he increased in stature and in favor with God and with man. I want to be really careful here. Jesus is 100% God. Okay? 100% God. Jesus is God. He voluntarily entered into humanity. And he became 100% man. And as Hebrews said, he was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Okay? So 100% God, 100% man. Two natures in one. That's mind-blowing to me. He was perfect. And on the man side, okay, he had a true human nature. That means his mind had to grow like our minds have to grow. It also says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Jesus had to grow in his obedience. Jesus had to grow in his wisdom. Jesus had to grow in his knowledge. Jesus voluntarily limited his access to some divine attributes, one of them being able to know everything. The way that Pastor Ryan says it sometimes is that he just didn't always click on that file. He had it, but he just didn't always click on it. Okay? So in this way that Jesus, as a man, had to grow in obedience and in wisdom and in his walk with the Lord. When it says that he grew in favor and in stature with God and with man, 
That means that as people watched him, they saw the blessings of God growing on his life. And they saw that people were identifying him as a man of God. And he grew in these things. And so my brothers and sisters, this is a, it's a hard truth to swallow. It's a strange truth to swallow. But what we need to understand is that we have a high priest who's empathetic to our suffering and to our needs, who can relate to us. And we also have this Jesus, this perfect Jesus, who humbly submitted himself to the authority of God's word. He humbly submitted himself to seeking through the scriptures to find wisdom and knowledge. And as the psalmist says, he sought it as if it was greater than gold and silver. And who are we to set the Bible aside for even a day and pridefully say, I got it. I got enough. I've learned enough. I've grown enough. Jesus didn't grow. In, Jesus had to grow into his knowledge of God. Jesus had to grow in his wisdom. And if Jesus, the Son of God, had to do that, how much more do we? And Jesus is our example. He sought after the teaching at the temple. He sought after the teaching of the scriptures. He placed himself under that authority. And I want to say to you today, my brothers and sisters, that if you want to truly find your identity and grow in that identity and what God has called you to, you need to make it a commitment to growing in Christ. That there's not a day that goes by that you don't get to your knees in prayer, that you don't open up this word and you don't humbly ask, God, take me, shape me, form me, change me, grow me into who you want me to be. And he will faithfully respond to that prayer. And when it's tough, when it's hard, you have a Jesus Christ standing before the Father who went through the growth like you did. And you could say, Jesus, help me. Help me desire this. Help me want this. Help me to understand this. He will be faithful to it. So Jesus revealed his identity to us in his own words. He is the Son of God. He was sent to do his business in the Father's house. And so along with Jesus, in the Father's house, Find your identity and grow in it as you worship him fully and faithfully. As you discover your role and commit to working for him. And never stop growing in your walk with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who knows full well what it's like to be a man and what it means to grow in knowledge and wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Joseph and Mary who led their families in worship. We thank you, Father, that you have given to each and every one of us an identity and a task and a mission to go and make your name known. I pray for each and every one of us in here today, Lord, that we would pursue after that with all of our hearts that we would never stop growing, never stop seeking, never stop working, never stop worshiping you. And let it come from a heart of thanks for what Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, did on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.